Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Kind. M.I.P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, what a day inauguration was. Are you like us, many of us who still can't believe it? waiting on someone to let you know or someone to call you and say psych. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm still not clear. I'm trying to believe it, but how about you? Joining us too, as always, we have now, he and I have now seen, uh, my goodness, how many presidential administrations? We've been together. We're on Bush, our third. Bush, this is Bush? Obama. No, it would be our fourth. We started wow. with Bush. It's amazing. Four president, four presidential administrations. This is our fourth. He is the founder of Daily Coast and Civics with a Q, Marcos Melitsis. Hey, buddy, how you feeling? Post inaugural, can you believe it? Uh, have you exhaled yet? It's been, Mark. How are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I consider myself a sort of a bit of a cynic and jaded. And uh, it's one of those situations where when you see what happens behind the scenes, you get to see enough of it. It's like seeing how the sausage is made and it kind of strips, I think, a lot of the wonder out of it and maybe some of the joy out of it in normal day to day analysis of what's going on. And. And I'm sure we're going to have plenty of frustrating days ahead of us. But I have to say that my jaded, cynical heart was uh, was uh, severely tested today. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. The, you know, Kamala getting, you know, doing her oath of office and uh, seeing, you know, the, the young 
poet laureate who um whose name suddenly escapes me at the moment uh and just the 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 pomp and the excitement and the reality of the moment of everything we've been fighting for for over four years i mean the the, the resistance began before trump was even inaugurated mm -hmm. and we went on high alert and mark we never got out of high alert trump didn't even give right, us weekends right. he didn't give us evenings mm -hmm. you know he's up at three mm -hmm. in the morning doing his crap and yeah. to go from all that to suddenly seeing a press conference at the white house where it wasn't all lies where it wasn't all bs where the press secretary said we value and respect the, the role of the free press in a democratic society even yeah. the whole notion yeah. that a democratic society was <laughs> something that we actually needed to to need it to protect i don't know and i don't think this is hyperbole like i don't know if if our democracy would have survived the second trump administration no, no absolutely not and, and i think that let's be honest i think that was actually um the intention frankly yeah you know i, I think that's what he did i mean it, it's interesting you and i have not forgotten but but i think that a, a a number of people in the, in the beltway media have all forgotten all about Vladimir Putin and what was really going on here, and 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 um, I don't think we we talked last week, but see, I believe I don't know if I shared this with you not, but see, I believe January sixth was Trump giving Putin the visual that occurred when he had that big demonstration after his sham election in Moscow, and remember he blamed Obama and Clinton, the CIA, for that the demonstrations against Putin. Mm -hmm. So you had Russian television that for the first time could show Americans revolting against the election system here, just like um, uh, Russian citizens have revolted against the, the election system there. And those in Russia have a, a justification to do, the, to do so. So he got that visual. And I truly believe that was a part of all of this. And you're right, if he had won again, we would have seen uh, Trump encourage and foment more destabilization um, in this country to satisfy to satisfy no. his paymaster. No, we it would not have survived. No, absolutely. And we saw it where he was systematically taking over the CIA and the Department of Defense and, and squeezing out anybody with competence and putting in uh, putting in his loyalists. And you know, you, it was. He, I mean, he was open. The thing about Trump that people <laughs> that I think made him easier to beat thank god was that he told everybody his plans he didn't know how to keep his mouth mm -hmm. shut right and he said flat out he wanted to be president for life that was his end goal right. that's what he was going for and right. and the problem that we had early on the first basically the first first four years of trump being in the national political scene is that everybody thought he wasn't being serious that, that he was joking that that he wasn't being literal but of yeah. course he was right. Trump has no, yes, he, he doesn't think abstractly, <laughs> Trump, <laughs> he's got, he's lizard brain, there's nothing else. What comes out of his mouth is literally what he believes, what he thinks, what he wants to do. So it, 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 thank God for us, because it made it easier for us to, to defeat somebody. And, and I, 
it's hard to defeat an incoming president. It doesn't happen very often. I think, what, three times since last uh, century? It's, yeah. Have, has an incumbent president lost re-election? It does not happen. And it's never happened with an economy doing as well as this one has. Usually when it happens, it's because we're yeah. in the middle of a recession. And yet somehow, um, for various reasons, this economy was resilient in the face of the pandemic and, and all the economic devastation that it caused. And, and we know it's there. The broader overall um, themes of it were actually pretty good, all things considered. Yeah. Um, I have no doubt that the pandemic may have helped us in some ways on the, on the margins, but we didn't, we didn't win this election because of the economy. We won this election in spite of the economy. So I think um, people don't really sort of, it seemed that Trump was, was, was going to be easy to beat. And it turns out not, like no incumbent president is easy to beat. And if you flip, this is one of those really scary stats. If you flip 70,000 votes in four states, in Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Nevada, Trump is president. So because of our undemocratic way of electing a president, this thing could have gone the other way. And I really, I really don't think, um, I mean, Republicans are still afraid of him after not only did he lose the election, but he also cost them both the House and the Senate. And they're still afraid of him. Can't even imagine if he was president. Yeah, yeah they are. They are. Um, but, you know, people, you know, some of the Republicans like uh, Marco Rubio was tweeting how proud he was to put, support, vote for the confirmation of the new director of national intelligence, a, a woman there for the first time. Other Republicans did as well. So they're, they're pretending as if, well, hold on, I, I want to read this tweet to you. This is from uh, Jamel Hill. Um, uh, one thing she tweeted, if, if, if white supremacy were a sound, it would be Mitch McConnell's voice. But, but here's the tweet. <laughs> and, and it just doesn't sit well with me that Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, all these other destructive forces are at the inauguration, keen like they haven't been destroying this country the the ain't shitness is permeating the air. So you notice how they just immediately uh, uh, um, uh, pivoted into, oh, the transition of power and we love democracy too and we can't, you know, uh, but she's right. Look at all the things they've done, how afraid they were of Trump, how they went along with him for so long. Can we trust them now to really try to, um, participate in the bipartisanship that Biden thinks he can achieve with them. I don't know if we can. Uh, no, we, we, we absolutely can't we trust them. Not only can we not trust them, but they should be absolutely shunned from political life. They should not be taken seriously. Um, I have a, you know, you mentioned it before. I have a new podcast, YouTube show, and I actually had Chuck Todd on the show um, yesterday or Tuesday. I saw and. And he actually, and I know everybody trashes Chuck Todd, and I got to say, and I say this for all of us who, when we talk and write for a living and say a billion things, not everything's going to come out perfectly. So I know it's, it's, it's the sure to beat up on Chuck Todd, but something happened last year where it's like something clicked in, in his brain and he's been incredibly 
almost partisan, like surprisingly so. And I got to say on, on my podcast, he sounded, um, I, I, I was surprised at how liberal he sounded given the sort of pretenses of wanting to be an unbiased liberal, uh, unbiased um, journalist. And his whole sort of theme was, I don't want these people anywhere near uh, respectability. I don't want them on my show. I don't want them on anybody else's show. I don't want anybody asking them questions because they don't deserve a say in our democracy after having worked so mu so hard to undermine it. And it was it was heartening for me to hear that from from the guy who you know basically helms Meet the Press and is NBC's political director. And I really hope. I mean, he he may be a one-off. Obviously, I mean, he he came on my podcast, <laughs> and, I, and I'm a, a yeah. not liberal, right? So he, he wasn't afraid of that. Um, that said, it does feel. I mean, it's going to be impossible to totally ignore Ted Cruz. I'm not going to ignore him, but um, but I really do hope that 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 anger at what happened doesn't sort of fade away and. Um, I got to say, if I was Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, and if I was advising them, I would tell them to just shut the hell up for at least six months. Like, try to get people to forget everything they, they, that they did. Um, they can't because they are who they are. But uh, I don't, they don't deserve a say in a democracy anymore. And if there's any justice, they will, they would be expelled from, from the Senate for their role in, in, uh, in what happened, and, and both of them, um, you know, Holly's up for re-election anyway in two years. Uh, Cruz has a little bit more time, but but there's two Republican governors in in Missouri and Texas, so the replacements would until this next uh, cycle would be Republican. I don't care about the part, the balance of of power in the Senate. In fact, I think it strengthens the moral argument to say that this is a partisan gambit. Is wouldn't change the balance of power in the Senate. This is about what's right. This is about protecting our democracy and they need to go. And the same goes in the House for uh, Bobert uh, and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all those Republicans, uh, Mel Brooks, that, that were actually part of the crowd instigating the, the, uh, the mob and the assault on the Capitol. And those people need to go. There has to be consequences for a direct assault on our democracy. And they thought they were cute, and they thought they were clever, and they thought they were all gonna jostle their way into, into 2024 by being the Trumpiest of Trumpy people. And, and Mark, they're, they're, they're so stupid that they don't realize that Trump would never give them their green light anyway, right? Their name's not yeah. Trump. Trump doesn't care about anybody. And so it really, boggles my mind that that political calculation that they made and, and i gotta say ted cruz has really been on the wrong side of almost everything when it comes to donald trump and uh and aligning himself with the guy who who mocked and made fun of his wife who doesn't defend her wife who doesn't yeah. <laughs> who doesn't have any that that pride of of like standing for your family I mean, but Ted cruz doesn't have any higher ideals or, or even a core ideology, nothing. And this is what I think is killing conservatives today. And I'm not going to cry for conservatives because, you know, screw them. But they actually thought that Republican, that the Republican base was conservative. 
that they actually adhere to to notions of free markets and free trade and strong national defense and standing strong against Russia aggression and uh, Keynesian, you know, uh, economics and that they, they thought all that stuff was, mm -hmm. was, <laughs> that's what their base was about. And I think now they finally realize that their base doesn't get too, you know, they don't give a rat's ass about any of that. Their base cares about racism and, you know, number one, racism, number two, dot, 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 because there's nothing else. It's, it's all racism. Um, and there is no conservative movement. Yeah, yeah, no, you, you, you're right about that. Um, but, but I can't help but wonder, because I'm, I'm looking at Mitch. I mean, let's face it, they know how to do PR, too. And they know how to manipulate their own base. I think they realize that they're outnumbered now. So I think we're going to see them act differently, even though it's insincere. But you're right. I don't think they deserve um, a second chance. And, and again, as we've said before, um, they should frank, frankly be vanquished. Um, uh, someone else was, was sharing with me, they don't understand negotiations between the new majority and the minority, between Schumann and McConnell. What is there to negotiate? Mitch McConnell didn't negotiate with us to give us anything. Why should Democrats be negotiating with him to give them anything? And, and should Democrats go ahead and just get rid of the filibuster? This is um, this is uh, this is an actually excellent question, and I got to say that when I first heard that Schumer was close to an agreement with McConnell for a fifty-fifty split on all the committees, um, I, I I wasn't happy. Right? I was like, BS. I mean, at the very least, Democrats should have a one-seat advantage on all the committees, and why are they even negotiating? It turns out that the organizing resolution is filibusterable. Right. So you need Republicans to vote for it. That's the current reality. So the next question then becomes, then just get rid of the filibuster. And that can be done on a, on a majority vote. The problem is that we don't have the votes to do that. Right now, Joe Manchin is still refusing to, um, to vote to end the filibuster. And we have at least three other Democrats that have historically refused to do so. Diane Feinstein in California being one, Lee in Vermont, although I think he's wavering, um, Coons of, of Delaware. So there, there's these institutionalists, right? Now, keep in mind that the filibuster in its modern incantation is a Jim Crow law legacy, right? It was, it was literally, it was a rule that was never used, and then suddenly it was used because it was a convenient way to filibuster to try to stop the Civil Rights Act. So that is its roots. And for any Democrat to support it, you're basically supporting a racist law that undermines us because the Senate itself is undemocratic. And uh, um, so why would you do that? Because they're institutionalists and they, they still adhere to this notion that you can work with the other side to get things done, right? So that, that's the reality. Now, here's the thing. Um, right now, there's as of, you know, I was talking, there is no organizing resolution because McConnell wants a guarantee that Democrats won't try to eliminate the filibuster mid-session. And every time that the filibuster has been eroded, it's been mid-session. Because you have a broader argument to make, right? The, you know, for McConnell, it was Democrats are, are obstructing a Supreme Court nominee. So the argument then isn't about um, arcane rule that nobody understands. Right. Are we going to sit there and argue about the filibuster? It's so 
unintuitive. It's so stupid a rule that people don't believe it's real. Literally, this has been pulled. People don't believe it's real because it's stupid. Nobody gets it. <laughs> so if the argument is over this thing called the filibuster, which nobody gets, we probably lose. And we're not going to get Joe Manchin. Here's, the, here's the, the, the key, and this is what McConnell is pissed off about, right? If the argument then becomes $2,000 checks or the filibuster, that's a whole different argument. And mm -hmm. that's what Democrats are setting up to do by all indications. And that's why McConnell is so freaked out that he wants his ironclad guarantee that it's not going to be touched in two years. And here's the key. Chuck Schumer's not giving it to him. So yeah, yeah. we may actually have a situation where, uh, where McConnell's obstruction of the organizing resolution may lead to the elimination of the filibuster earlier than intended. Because I don't even think Joe Manchin will stand in the way of that. Yeah, the Senate yeah, that doesn't yeah. work because so I, I suspect McConnell's going to cave just because he really has no leverage at this point. And then the question becomes, when do you pull that trigger? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I've, I've talked to people in the, in the Senate and the, and the question isn't it's not a if it's a, it's a question of when. What is that incredibly popular piece of legislation that Republicans are going to obstruct? That Democrats can then say it's not about the filibuster; it's about policy. It's two thousand dollars check or fourteen hundred dollars checks, but whatever, fourteen hundred dollars checks, or Republicans obstructing. And then nobody needs to even know about the rule because nobody gets it. The argument is money or Republican obstruction, and then that is a very very easy argument. So that's the question, and it may not be the fourteen hundred dollars checks, by the way, because Joe Manchin's opposed to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's other legislation. It could be immigration reform. It could be um, it could be tax cuts for the rich. It could be it could be DC statehood. Bill Manson's yeah. not opposed to DC statehood. Right, right. So there's right. a lot of places where the argument becomes a lot easier to sell to the American public. So that's why they're not pushing it right now. And every time it's been eroded, it never happened at the beginning of the session. It was always mid session. So that's why yeah, that's yeah. why we're stuck with negotiating with McConnell because at the moment the filibuster is still in play. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned it, it, its its roots in in Jim Crow and the old South. It's interesting, is it? Runoffs, filibuster. How many relics of Jim Crow and the old South still stick around? And electoral college, just three right there. Um, it's also being looked into. It is believed that today, I'm sorry, the Inauguration Day um, was the first time a, the words white supremacy were used in an inaugural address. Um, I mean, no I don't matter, know how hard you have to look, right? Who else would have said it? Right, right, right. Unless somebody said it who was in favor of it, but then people who were in favor of white supremacy would have <laughs> right. say, I'm a white supremacist. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, no, that's what, that's, what the, that's what the dog whistles were for. Right, right, right. Um, but, but you know, if, if you if if these are all things a part of it, um, you got statehood on the table. You got voting rights, the new Voting Rights Act on the table. I mean, these are all things. Frankly, the Senate can do this week. Um, where are you on? Lastly, the impeachment trial and going forward with that. I, I hope people don't lose interest in that. I think that still has to happen. And frankly, I think if McConnell then really wanted to do, even though I don't, I can't stand Mitch and him, they're stupid. But if they want to do one teeny tiny little thing for yourselves, you know, um, 
they need to vanquish that dude. Make sure he can never run again. That can only, at their worst, that's the best thing they can do even selfishly for themselves, just out of pure selfishness. Not just for us, but but none of them, if any other Republican has any personal political ambition, it will never be achieved as long as Donald Trump is con continue to allow to put himself on the ballot. Yeah, it's even more than that, Mark, because um, um, that for sure, and uh, clearly <laughs> it's self-interested to get rid of him, and the argument is pretty crystal clear at this point. And, and earlier this week, McConnell, the Gang of Eight, had some kind of security briefing, and it's clear that McConnell and McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House, were, were both pretty spooked. Because McConnell came out and said, it's obvious, it's clear that Trump instigated this. And he's already sent notice that he's not going to stand in the way of the of the trial. And he's not going to whip any votes in support of Trump. And I actually think there's a good chance that McConnell himself vote to, to convict Trump. Not just because of what happened at the Capitol, but because donors are cutting out Republicans right now. And this is becoming an existential threat to the Republican Party if, if corporate donors uh, refuse to, to finance their operations. So that's the one piece. But the second piece is Trump is now talking about creating his new party, right? This, this Patriot Party. And, and I'm very skeptical because Trump has very little follow through. He's not going to put his own money into it. Um, he has no way to promote it to his base, you know, easy way to promote it to his base. And let's be like, he is the biggest mismanager possible, right? He's a guy who bankrupted a casino. So the idea that he's going to somehow run an efficient and effective third party, um, to me, is very, very doubtful. That said, that said, that is probably the biggest nightmare for Republicans is to split their vote two ways. And that just absolutely guarantees that, that Democrats are going to win the next you know, presidential election where this Patriot Party exists. So by removing his ability to run, it renders the Patriot Party absolutely worthless because let's be honest, Donald Trump's not making that party. He's not thinking about doing that party because he wants to support other people like Paul Gosar and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? right? I mean, he sees it as a vehicle for, for, you know, number one, the only person that matters to Donald Trump. And if suddenly he's for, prohibited from running again, that utterly eliminates any impetus or um, incentive to go through the trouble of trying to create a new party. So that, I think, is a big, big factor. Uh, so yeah, there's that self-interest. You don't want to split that, that, that conservative vote. Conservative, because I don't think Trump supporters are conservative. Uh, they're fascist. Um, so you don't want to split that, that part of that, of that right-wing vote. And also is the fact that, that corporate political action committees and the executives where the real money is. It's not, you know, Pat can only write a $5,000 check. The executive who runs that, you know, who runs that company can come in and write a $500,000 check. Those people are backing off. Uh, in fact, one of the biggest donors to Mitch McConnell, who donated two and a half million dollars to McConnell's um, leadership pack last year alone, he already said that he's not, he's not writing another check unless Trump is convicted. So I think that is going to be a big, big factor in whether Trump is convicted. And actually, it, it's hard to see where you get 67 votes. It really, it really is. I can, I can, I can find 10 easy votes. That, that includes McConnell voting for, for conviction. Those last seven start to get, you're starting to look at real stretch votes. Um, most Republicans represent places like Dakota, the Dakotas and Wyoming, 
uh, places are extremely Trumpy, and so for them to vote against against for conviction would be sort of it would be a, almost a political suicide vote because they'd have to face the voters in two or four years, depending. So it makes it it makes it um, difficult. But there's also, I'm seeing this a lot in establishment Republican circles at their publications like the National Review, uh, where there is an understanding that, you know what, we're going to be in the, in the, we're going to be in the political wilderness for a while. Like we have to clean house. This is not the future of our party. We can't yeah. win without the suburbs and we're not going to win the suburbs as long as Trumpism reigns supreme. And so, yeah, we're going to lose for a while. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, it, it, and this even this power sharing thing, I'm I just don't think um, that I mean that that's just never been a term that's been used in reference to us when the Republicans were in power themselves. Um, as far as you you know you we talk about impeachment and what you said, yeah, I, I don't know that count the votes either. But if, if Mitch Mitch ought to convince them. It's in their best interest. Now, it is in our best interest for that fool to form another party because you're right; they will be split forever, and we win forever, oh. and that would be good. You know, I would love so. It. And as, as you can see, with with the Green Party, the Green Party spends more time attacking the Democrats than they do actually, <laughs> you know, trying to win an election and win votes. And that's what happens when you have two parties occupying the same ideological space. And normally, you can ignore them, like you know, the Libertarians, yeah. you can ignore them, and, and the Green Party, you can ignore them. It would be a lot harder to ignore a Trump party with Trump actively, you know, being part of it because he thinks he's running again in 2024. Well, well, not only that, you mentioned he wouldn't be you'd use the party promoting about himself for himself. True. But you know who else he could promote? That's his children. Because, you know, his plan, he wants he, they want to be yeah. uh, the Kennedys or or, you know, the 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 the, the renter. Rent a cop version of the camp, camp the mall cop version. <laughs> of the yeah, that, that's the that best. is a good question, that's though. I mean, be. would he motivate to do that for his children? And that's that's uh, that, that's a big question. And, and to me, the, the way I think of that question is, would he send his kids to jail, to prison, to protect himself? And the answer to me seems really obviously yes. <laughs> I think he'd throw them the maybe not Ivanka, yeah. but he would throw the boys, his two sons, to the wolves in a heartbeat. To protect themselves, so would he go through the trouble of of uh, a third party for the glory of his sons and maybe Ivanka? She, you know, because uh, Don Jr. has been mentioned as somebody to run for Senate in in Pennsylvania, even though he has no ties to Pennsylvania. Uh, same thing with Ivanka, who thinks she's running for Senate in Florida, a primary against Marco Rubio, which would be just absolutely glorious. So uh, only the dumb one, Eric, um, he's not running. But Lana, I think it's his partner, right? Is it Lana? Um, one of them, one of, you know, Lana Trump is talking about running for Senate in North Carolina. So, yeah, there is there is that family notion that it's, this is the new family business. They've, they've failed at real estate. I mean, that, that stuff is going down. It's going to crash yeah. and burn. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so now they have a new family business and it's politics. So um, would they, they, they fail the politics? They fail the politics. Yeah, so far they have for sure. And the, you know what the irony is? So, it's out, Trump doesn't care about being president. Like the the actual power of presidenting, 
Trump doesn't care about. Like he didn't, he didn't listen to his briefings. He clearly didn't, you know, he, he, even COVID didn't motivate him to actually take an active role. Like he's like, let the states do it. Like he, there's no sense of wanting to use power for anything other than the title. I, I guess all he cares about is the yeah. freaking title. And I think well, that's probably the same for his kids. They don't have an ideology. Well, but, but, but to be honest, and this goes back to January 6th, the Republicans, many of them who are in Congress right now, don't want a government either. They want to sabotage government. They don't want it to function. That's why they were so readily uh, giving people tours and surveillance of the Capitol, because they just want to hold the title and use it to sabotage. And you're right, Trump wants to do the same thing. They don't really want to accomplish anything. Their goal is not to say, I accomplished this for the citizenry of America as a government official. That's not, they want to say, I sabotaged, I prevented government from functioning on behalf of the citizenry of America. Um, so you know, I, I think that's what we're dealing with. But Freedom, um, freedom. <laughs> freedom yeah. from work, freedom, some, you know, just, you know, lazy, good for nothing. Don't do any work. Don't show up for work to do anything worthwhile. Uh, people talking about Biden being in the Oval Office well into the evening on his first night and how Trump was ne almost never there. Um, the reports on what he did every day, he was making phone calls and he was watching Fox News. That's pretty much what he did. He did not yeah. work. You know, he just didn't. You and I do more work than he does just talking on the thing like we do. All right, folks. Um, hopefully this is real. And we're not in the matrix, and this is not something <laughs> we're just fantasizing. You know, you know, you know we're no, so I'm, I'm, we're, we're so traumatized by Trump that we couldn't even spend an episode yeah. celebrating Biden winning. Yeah, yeah, PT, PTSD all the way. But I mean, just couldn't hopefully believe next any week. Of, you know, hopefully and, next and, week we can start. Yeah, hopefully next week we can start focusing on all the tangible stuff Biden's already doing. I mean, he signed seventeen executive orders on his first afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and good ones too, protecting dreamers, protecting uh, students from from being uh, from having to pay their student loans, protecting people from foreclosure. I mean, it was it was really really good stuff, and and it's just amazing to see him sign real executive orders with real impact. He got rid of the Muslim ban, all sorts of great stuff, and so um, yeah. By next week, I think we're going to have a lot more positive news. I think to point to, and then we can slowly. I hope so gradually cleanse ourselves of talking about that family, that man uh, moving forward, because this is a, this is an opportunity we have. I don't think people realize how fractured the democratic party has been historically and how hard it was to do things yet within the first week, the Democrats are going to be introducing legislation on, on immigration and on, uh, um, on relief for COVID stuff that, uh, that Obama was afraid to touch, right? He didn't want to do too much. He didn't want to upset Republicans. And the political climate was a lot different back then. So I'm not, you know, I, we'll criticize, we have criticized Obama, but I'm not going to criticize him right now, only to say that right. Democrats, the political climate is different and they're taking advantage of it. So we need to sit there and, and you know, cheer them on and root them on and make sure that 2022 is not a time to, to you know, to lose the Senate which is usually what happens in the off on the first midterm of a president of a new president, but we actually build on those uh, victories so that we can do things like talk about expanding the Supreme Court and all the other great things we want to do right. that we might not be able to do in a fifty-fifty Senate. Right, 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 and and hopefully instead of losing in two years, we'll be like Virginia. Remember, Virginia would flip back and forth 
every two to four years. Virginia's staying blue because folks are just sick of it. And hopefully people are sick of this and will stay this way. Uh, Keystone XL was also executive order he signed. Uh, yes. I also want to mention uh, uh, Clyburn says that, that, yeah, and Clyburn also said W. Bush told him he was the savior of democracy by helping Joe Biden win. And if he had not done what he did, we would all not be there to, as, as, as with what happened with the transfer of power. So, you know, but, Dang, but Bush could know, have said something yeah, before uh, the election too. Right. But okay. Thank he you. kept his mouth shut. Let's not forget who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget who he is. That's for sure. <laughs> but he ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. That's Marcos, not wrong. Okay. No, he's right about that. But, but still, why was he so silent? Um, Marcos, Melissa's folks, Civics with a Q, Daily Coast. All right, this is, uh, what do we say? Our fourth administration. We'll see yeah. how many more we get, yes. we get through. We might, we might, we might be old men one day like Cisco and Ebert uh, and, and kill <laughs> over on the air. Somewhere. We are getting old together. <laughs> we have more gray today than we did when we first started talking. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And, and, if, and, and listen, man, I got to tell everybody, I've gone from gray. I, I, I think I skipped gray and went straight to white. You know, uh, <laughs> my hair. I don't know, it looks good on you, though. <laughs> no, well, I wouldn't be complaining. <laughs> Stay safe. All right, buddy. All right, thank Thanks you, Marcos. So Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe. And wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.